0: We take you on a journey into the life of a different animal every week, and I guarantee you you're going to come out of here knowing more about your favorite animal than you did before. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about an animal that has some really unique adaptations. They're not very well known, but they're also in danger of becoming extinct, so they need our help. With that being said, let's head into shallow ocean waters to talk about animals that have what looks like a tool coming out of their heads. Sawfish. There are two species of sawfish that are found in the oceans around North America. The small tooth sawfish and the large-toothed sawfish. Both of these species are found in the Atlantic Ocean, specifically in the Gulf of Mexico. Small-toothed sawfish like to stay in waters where the temperature ranges from around 67 to 87 degrees Fahrenheit. There are also four other species of sawfish found around the world. Long-comb sawfish, dwarf sawfish, knife tooth sawfish, and black-tipped sawfish. All of these species are located in the Eastern Hemisphere, inhabiting the coasts of the Indian Ocean, such as the northern coast of Australia. The main differences between the species of sawfish are their coloration, the amount of teeth that they have, and the lengths of their dorsal and pectoral fins. They're famously known for having shark-like bodies with a long, flat snout, which is called a rostrum, and there are sharp teeth extended outwards from the rostrum. Their appearance is extremely unique, and their rostrum really does look like a saw, which is where they get their name. We'll talk about what they use that rostrum for later on in the episode. Sawfish are pretty large animals, as they average about 16 to 18 feet in length, and take about a decade to reach mature size. The large-toothed sawfish can grow up to about 20 feet long. For reference, that's the same size as a great white shark. But the long comb sawfish is the largest species, reaching lengths of up to 25 feet. The average sawfish's lifespan is usually 25 to 30 years, with them reaching sexual maturity very late relative to most rays, at about 10 years old. There are many sawfish being held in captivity, either for educational purposes or for species survival purposes, because some species' populations are extremely low but their lifespan usually remains unchanged in captivity. As I mentioned earlier, sawfish are accustomed to shallow and coastal ocean waters. They tend to live in areas with mangrove forests, where they're able to lay their eggs safely away from predators. Mangrove forests are made of shrubs and trees that grow out of the water, usually acting as swamp-like estuaries along the coasts of rivers and oceans. Fish species, like sawfish, live between the tree roots that grow underwater, which gives them a good amount of protection. Even though they're most likely to be found in shallow waters, sawfish also venture out into deeper areas if they need to. They look a lot like sharks, but they're not closely related to them. They are a type of ray. One way you can tell the difference between a ray and a shark is that rays have gills underneath their head, while sharks have gills on their neck or the side of their head. Sawfish have theirs underneath their head, so they're rays. They're normally olive green to gray colored, but they can also appear brown. Their underbelly is white, and their mouths or gills are present underneath them. And if you look underneath them, you can really see the resemblance that they have to manta rays. They belong to the order Chondrichthys, which is an order of fish that lack true backbones. So instead of bones, sawfish have cartilaginous skeletons, which are made up of strong connective tissue. The cartilage that makes up their skeletons is the same stuff that makes up most of our noses and ears. Sawfish are also culturally and spiritually significant. Aboriginal societies in Australia believe that thousands of years ago, sawfish forged the shape of the land and rivers with their rostrum. In the Caribbean, the Kuna people believe that sawfish actually protected mankind from sea monsters as well as saved them from drowning. Sawfish have also been symbolized in the context of wealth and prosperity, where rich individuals nailed the rostrums of sawfish on their walls. People may have also nailed them on their doors to keep away supernatural spirits during the mid-1900s. And this is one of the many reasons why their populations have been declining. But we'll talk more about that later on. Before we head into the break, I just want to mention something that you definitely want to hear about. We have partnered up with Follow, which is a really awesome company. They're committed to helping wildlife in a unique way. First, you can buy a really cool bracelet from them. Each bracelet corresponds with a different animal and organization that Follow partners with. Along with the bracelet, they also send you a QR code that you can use to track a specific animal of your choice on your phone. And it even gives you a little information about the animal that you track. And the best part about it is that when you buy a bracelet, 10% of the proceeds from that sale go to the organization correlated with that bracelet. Some of the organizations that they partner with are Save the Elephants, Polar Bears International, the Sea Turtle Conservancy, and Saving the Blue which just so happens to focus on helping sawfish as well as sharks. If you want to buy one of these awesome bracelets, go to myfollow.com. That's spelled m-y-f-a-h-l-o.com. And don't forget to enter our code, which is ONWILDLIFE20 in all caps. And this gives you 20% off your order. So that's myfollow.com and ONWILDLIFE20. Okay, let's take our first break. And when we get back, we'll talk about what's up with those weird rostrums. The science word that I want to talk to you about today is cellular respiration. Respiration may be a term that you've heard before, and you may relate it to breathing, Cellular respiration is the process of taking in glucose and oxygen to make energy. The stuff that we give out during cellular respiration is carbon dioxide and water. And we wouldn't be able to live without this process. Okay, welcome back. So what do sawfish eat? Well, they're carnivores— and feed mostly on fish and crustaceans. They have 10 to 12 rows of teeth, depending on the species, and have 22 to 29 teeth on each side of their mouth. When a sawfish gets in proximity of a school of fish or shrimp, they use the rostrum to slash whatever fish or shrimp it catches. For crustaceans, the saw-like features on the rostrum allow the sawfish to break the hard shells of their prey. Their teeth are rounded, But they have a very sharp posterior edge that doesn't chew, but snaps and breaks their prey. And once they kill their prey, they can eat it with the mouth that's underneath their body. But their rostrum isn't only used to catch and kill prey. It's also used as a navigational tool. It has small pores on it that detect electrical fields. The pores have highly sensitive electroreceptors that send signals to the brain, detecting free-swimming prey in close proximity. So their rostrums are kind of like metal detectors that sense electricity. This is much better than using their eyesight underwater because the clarity of the water can be lacking. And with their electroreceptors, it doesn't matter how murky the water is because they can always sense their prey. The rostrum can also be used for digging as they may need to dig for prey that hides under the sand like flounders and sand crabs. They can also employ different strategies when they hunt for their food. One technique that they use is remaining motionless until prey touches them or swims just above them, so it's kind of like a surprise attack. This technique uses much less energy and allows them to rest while still looking for a meal. Young sawfish don't have a fully developed rostrum, so instead they hunt plankton, but they still use their electroreceptors to detect prey. And they don't really have any natural predators, but sometimes they can be attacked by sharks crocodiles, and some marine mammals. Sawfish possess many different fins along their body. They have pectoral fins on their head, pelvic fins, dorsal fins on the middle of their back and lower back, a tail fin, and pectoral fins on their side. These fins all help the sawfish maneuver throughout the water. They also have a caudal fin, which many refer to as the tail. This fin allows the sawfish to propel forward while swimming. It can vary from many different sizes based on the sawfish's species. Sawfish have been around for over 50 million years, evolving during the Eocene era. During this time, the first species of whales began to appear, and the only species of primates that existed looked very similar to lemurs. They evolved from primitive sharks that are now extinct. This period was the end of the Paleogene period, where small rodents and mammals started to emerge above land after most of the dinosaurs went extinct. Sawfish are ovoviviparous, which means that embryos develop inside eggs, which are inside the mother, and they remain inside the mother's body until they hatch, which also occurs inside the mother. After they hatch, they remain inside the mother's body for a period of time before they emerge. So it's not necessarily live birth, because they're still hatching from eggs— but the eggs stay inside the mother for the entire time that they're being incubated. And you may be wondering, if the pups are still inside the mother after they hatch from the eggs, how do their rostrums not damage her? And they have adapted a really cool way of combating this. Their sharp teeth don't hurt the mother during birth because their rostrum is covered in tissue that protects the mother and siblings from getting pierced. This tissue completely dissolves two weeks after the sawfish is born and swimming. Sawfish give birth to about 8 pups per litter on average, but they can have up to 14 pups in one litter. But because they take so long to reach maturity compared to other animals, they don't mate very frequently. After they're born, they're basically on their own, as the parents don't care for them at all. And another really amazing thing happens in sawfish. It's really rare, but studies have shown that they're able to reproduce without a mate, or asexually. This process is called facultative parthenogenesis. When we say something is facultative, it usually means that this happens when specific circumstances arise. Asexual reproduction is very rare in vertebrates, but some reptiles such as snakes and Komodo dragons are also able to do this. Scientists think that parthenogenesis might be common in species that have a higher risk of extinction. This is because when their population numbers get extremely low— they can reproduce without having to find a mate. But when sawfish exhibit this behavior, it's not enough to increase their populations to a stable number anyways. Okay, we're going to take our last break. And when we get back, we'll talk about what's happening to these sawfish populations. Time for our trivia question. Which of these animals was the first non primate mammal recorded to dance to the rhythm of a song? A. A dog? B. A sea lion? C. A kangaroo? Or D. An elephant? The answer is B. It was a sea lion named Ronin at the University of California. Okay, we're back. We've already talked a lot about what makes sawfish unique, but it doesn't stop there. Sawfish are also polyphodont, meaning that when they lose teeth, they're able to regenerate them. This is something that not a lot of other animals are able to do. We have baby teeth that fall out and are replaced with adult teeth. But once you lose those adult teeth, you don't get any more. This is extremely important for sawfish because their teeth are being used to attack prey each time they forage. So it's common for them to lose teeth after striking rocks or hard shells. And behind their eyes, sawfish have holes on their head called spiracles. These spiracles circulate water through their gills while they're inactive so that they can breathe. This is an amazing adaptation because other aquatic animals like sharks need to constantly be moving in order to make sure that water is moving through their gills. Besides being a predator and keeping animal populations in check, sawfish are very important to the ecosystems that they live in for another reason. Because they hover over the ocean floor in search for food, They're actually helping to move sediment and inorganic material around. This is very important for seed dispersal of aquatic plants, as well as exposing animals hiding on the ocean floor who may be preyed upon by sawfish or other predators. Although they've thrived here for such a long time, sawfish are critically endangered. There are only about 5,000 adults left in the wild. According to the IUCN, Sawfish are one of the most critically threatened groups of marine fish. The biggest threats that they have include overfishing, both of themselves and their prey, and habitat fragmentation due to human impact. Mangrove forests, where sawfish spend a lot of their time, are in real danger right now because of unsustainable fishing practices. And they're extremely important to other species besides just sawfish. They're also important to us because they help make a barrier between ocean waves and the shoreline. This helps to reduce the impact of flooding, which saves millions of people living along the coasts. If you want to help sawfish or their habitats, you should check out the Sawfish Conservation Society, the Species Survival Commission, and the Global Mangrove Alliance. Thank you so much for coming on this adventure with me as we explored the world of sawfish. You can find the sources that we used for this podcast and links to organizations that we reference at onwildlife.org. You can also email us with any questions at onwildlife.podcast at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at on underscore or on TikTok at onwildlife. Don't forget to tune in next Wednesday for another awesome episode. And that's on wildlife.